It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everyone, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome to the show, everyone. We got a great one for you today here on this Saturday, November 7th, as we look to preview UFC Fight Night Santos versus Teixeira, which will take place in the matter of hours, in a matter of hours, excuse me. Uh, and, uh, you know, good to be back with you guys here. Uh, crazy week, and, uh, you know, I think a lot of people uh, could uh, could use some UFC here on this Saturday as we ponder the, the future of our country uh, so, you know, hopefully this will be a nice uh, distraction from uh, reality. Um, and, uh, you know, what what a card. Um, unfortunately, we didn't have time uh, to do a recap for the uh, uh, UFC Fight Night Hall versus Silva, but uh, luckily that wasn't uh, the greatest card in the world. Um, I guess I can just very quickly give my thoughts on that. Anderson Silva is absolutely washed. He should retire uh, it's embarrassing that a 46-year-old man was approved by the commission to fight. Um, he's had a great career, you know, really should stop. The win did nothing for Uriah Hall um, except add a name to, to his um, to his resume, um, albeit that name was about seven years past its prime, um, you know what I mean? But, uh, you know, when you look back in history, you will see that Uriah Hall knocked out Anderson Silva, which is fucking insane. Outside of that, I don't even remember what happened for for the majority of that fight card. It wasn't very good, but uh, luckily we got a great fucking card here tonight. I'll tell you what, this is a really solid card, um, especially considering it's a fight night card. You know, so a lot of people I see on Twitter, and a lot of people are are, are defending the UFC against you know boxing fans who say the UFC is dying, which is the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard. If anything, boxing is dying. Um, there's no metric out there that would support the the thesis that the UFC or MMA is, is fucking declining. Um, but you know, a lot of people, a lot of people expect every single card to be stacked like a pay-per-view. And that's just not, that's just not even close to a fucking reality. Um, but you know, this card is, it is stacked with interesting fights. It's obviously not stacked with, you know, number one contender fights and championship fights and, and ranked opponents. But um, you know, this is what you can hope for with, you know, just your standard fight night card, you know, uh, a, a solid main event, a couple of ranked uh, fights, and then just interesting names. You know, I always say, um, when I look at a card that doesn't look very good, my hope is that I just remember a couple of names from the fights. You know what I mean? Like a perfect perfect example is Joaquin Buckley. Nobody know Nobody knew who the fuck Joaquin Buckley was. You know what I mean? He's just some guy who got knocked out by Kevin Holland, but he goes out there with with the you know the spotlight on him because he is on you know a, a major platform, um, even if it's not a pay per view, and has a spectacular knockout. Now people know his name. Now that's a high level example because that's a you know an, an insane highlight reel knockout, but you know, I mean, even just a really good knockout or a really gritty performance. I mean, you just you 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 just hope that people know your name. That's it. You just hope people know your name because you can't expect people to buy, you know, hopefully you get to, to a point where you can have a pay-per-view. 
People aren't going to buy a pay-per-view if they don't know your name. People aren't going to tune in if they don't know your name. So just to give the fans something, because there's like 500 fighters in the UFC, you know what I mean? And uh, you, you just want to stand out, and that's a good thing with this card. There's a lot of fighters who stand out in one way or another, you know, mid-level prospects. Uh, I guess I wouldn't really say there's any high-level prospects on this card, but, you know, there's there's definitely some interesting fights, so um, we'll get right into it. Obviously, we'll have the main card showdown later tonight. Um, the uh, uh, well, I guess it's the first time back since the uh, uh, October World Grand Prix. Of course, the mailman won that, because why wouldn't he? You know, he's, he's just dominant. He's just dominant. There's no competition for the mailman um, in the main card showdown, and, you know, absolutely put on a, a dominant performance in, in the in the Grand Prix um yeah I mean that's 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 really it man and and he's defending his title uh tonight versus uh Drew Peterson and then we'll have Jordan back uh on the uh, on the um well I guess we'll call it the undercard against uh Brie making her uh North Star Sports debut so you know the first female to compete in the main card showdown so you know check that box off that's that's historic right there um but yeah let's waste no time let's get right into it here we'll start with uh the prelim opener it's a bantamweight fight here between gustavo lopez and anthony burchak uh lopez is 11 and 5 burchak is 15 and 6 uh we'll take a look at the odds for this one uh if my computer would load um, and these odds coming from Odds Shark, and uh, they'll have Gustavo Lopez as the minus 130 favorite. Um, so, uh, you know, a pretty close fight here. Obviously, I don't have a whole lot to say um, either way on, on, on these fighters. Except, um, excuse me, Gustavo Lopez, uh, he's, uh, he's 31. Uh, really, most notably about this guy, he, uh, he, his last fight was against Marab Davalishvili. Um, he lost that one pretty handedly I think that might have been the fight where Marab was really close to setting the takedown record um it's tough because Marab has fought a bunch of fucking no names uh for for a good stretch there and that's not a knock on him that's just you know fighters falling out and you know Marab just being game and fighting late notice replacements but I think that was the fight where he set at least the bantamweight takedown record I'd have to believe um against him so uh, that's 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 about it for Lopez and and you look at Anthony Burchak here uh, three years older and uh, yeah he, I mean he used to be in the in the UFC back in 2015-2016 uh, fought Joe Soto uh, and uh, and fought Thomas Almeida back when Thomas Almeida was an undefeated prospect uh, that might have been the fight the fight before Thomas Almeida fought Cody Garbrandt um, in a main event uh, yeah, that's that's about it. I, I really don't have anything profound to say on this, but I'm going to go uh, Gustavo Lopez uh, by decision. All right, moving on here to the welterweight division. We'll have a fight here between Max Griffin and Ramiz Brahimaj. Uh, Griffin is 15-8. and eight. Brahimaj is 8-2. and two. We look at the odds here. They'll have uh, Max Payne Griffin as a minus 140 favorite. But really... Max Griffin is a minus 700 favorite in our hearts uh, because he he liked my post on Twitter a couple of years ago. So you know what I mean. That's that's cool. Shout out to Max Griffin. You know, got a got a humble brag. You know, I'm big time now. I'm big time. So you know, UFC fighters are liking my tweets. So you know what I mean. That's 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 a resume moment right there. Uh, not really, but um, 
fucking slam the rest of my coffee. Um, I'll go Max Max Griffin on this one. Um, he, he is a slight favorite. He's He obviously has far more UFC experience at this point than uh, uh, Brahim Aj, who's still relatively new in his MMA career. Um, albeit, you know, Griffin, he's, he's losing more than, than he's winning these days. He's lost four of his last five and, Jesus, five of his last eight. Um, but he, oddly enough, he does have a win over Mike Perry uh, in, in 2018. So that's interesting. And that was the Mike Perry... That was the Mike Perry. He might have lost before that, the fight before that, but that was like peak Mike Perry hype when he was like fucking, I don't think he headlined a card. Maybe he did, but that was when he was like knocking out Jake Ellenberger and shit like that. Um, but, you know, in, in fairness, Max Griffin has, has really not had an easy fight. I mean, his last fight was a split decision loss to uh, Alex Oliveira. I mean, he's fought Tiago Alves, albeit, you know, late in his career. Curtis Millinder, that's that's uh, that's a pretty underrated fighter that maybe fans don't know about. And uh, I think he's over in Bellator now, I want to say. Um, Alessio Zaleski Dos Santos, Colby Covington. I mean, Jesus, this this guy draws the short end of the stick every time he, he goes out there and fights. Um, and, and conversely, you look at Brahim Aj. Um, he's 27, so he's significantly... Uh, younger, but you know he's making his UFC debut here, uh, and and uh, you know that's that's tough for even great fighters to make their UFC debut and to make it against a guy who has this many UFC outings. Um, I'm gonna go Griffin on this one, uh, and I guess we'll go by decision. Not that it matters. All right, moving on here uh, in the. Featherweight division will have a battle here between Darren Elkins and Eduardo Garagori. Uh, Elkins is 24 and 9. Garagori is 13 and 1. Uh, Darren Elkins actually is the minus 250 favorite, which I guess that I guess that makes sense. I can't disagree with it. Although if I was making the odds, I'd probably make them a little closer. Um, you know, he's got the damage tattooed on his chest. I think that's pretty apt because this guy. <laughs> I mean, he does give out some damage, but Jesus Christ, he takes a lot more damage than he gives out these days. Uh, and, and he's 36. And I don't know, man. The miles are really fucking piling up on Darren Elkins, man. I mean, he's on a four-fight losing streak. He lost three of them by unanimous decision, and and you know a lot of these weren't even close. Uh, he got absolutely fucking bullied uh, back in May by Nate Landwehr. Uh, he lost to Ryan Hall, got knocked out by Lamas, lost to Volkanovski. I mean, this is a guy who has not won since uh, January of 2018. Now, I mean, he's taking a lot of damage. I wouldn't necessarily say he's, you know, been fucking walloped in any of these fights, you know, where it was just completely one-sided. He's going to put up a, uh, a great effort. Um, but I, I just don't know, man. I, I, I don't know if I, I can pick uh, Elkins on this one. Uh, Garagori, he's only 31, uh, and he, he got choked out in his last fight by Ricardo Hamos, um, and I don't know, honestly, Garagori might be the best hope for South America to have a UFC champion, outside of Brazil, obviously, I mean, you know, they're, they're on another level, but, you know, for the rest, ah, I mean, I guess, I guess, yeah, well, Mexico's in North America, never mind. Yeah, so he might be the best chance for a, a, a South American champ, unless I'm forgetting someone, unless Santiago Ponzinibbio comes back at some point. Um, although he's going to have to climb the ranks all over again, which is 
crazy because his, his UFC record is something fucking ridiculous. But um, I smell an upset here. I'm going to go with Garagori. Um, I'm just not feeling Elkins. I mean, the momentum's not on his side. And, uh, man, he, he's at the end of the road. He's, he's at the end of the bitter road here. So uh, we'll go uh, Eduardo Garagori. All right, moving on here to the heavyweight division. We'll have a fight here between Marcos Hajerio de Lima and Alexander Romanov. Uh, de Lima is 17-6-1, and, and Romanov is 12-0. and uh, Romanov is the minus 500 favorite. Uh, no surprise here. I'm going with uh, Alexander Romanov. I was very impressed with his uh, UFC debut uh, back in September over Roque Martinez. A uh, guy who used to fight, I believe, over in Ryzen, and I mean, he's not—he's not that good of a heavyweight compared to you know UFC standards. So I'm not trying to make it seem like you know Romanov beat, you know, fucking Junior Dos Santos or something. But he, you know, he he put a beating on Martinez, and and that was impressive. Um, he he ended up winning it uh, in round two by choking him out, but he had some hellacious Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong, uh, ground and pound. So I mean, this guy's got power. He, he's got power on the ground, and I was just re- really impressed with uh, with Romanov, and uh, he is a true heavyweight. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Six foot two, 260 pounds, that is a true heavyweight. Uh, whereas uh, Hajerio de Lima, I mean, he's put on the pounds, but this was a guy who I believe used to fight at light heavyweight even just a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, he must have because he was fighting Ovin St. Pru and Nikita Krilov and Gedzimura and Antigulov. So, you know, this is a light heavyweight who's essentially coming up. I know he's had a couple of fights here at heavyweight. Um, but, you know, Romanov is a true heavyweight. He might even have to cut down, you know, a few pounds. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's a big, a big skill gap here, a very big skill gap. So uh, we'll go Rom- Romanov by... Round two TKO. Maybe maybe he takes his time a little bit. Although it wouldn't shock me if he finished him in the first, especially considering it's a it's a heavyweight fight. All right, moving on here to an even crazier odds uh, odded crazier odded fight. No, that sentence is just a fucking mess. Uh, moving on to a fight that has crazier odds. That's a little better. Uh, it's in the featherweight division. It's between Giga Chikadze and Jamie Simons. Uh, Chikadze is 11 and 2. Simons is 7 and 2. Uh, Odds Shark has uh, Chikadze as the minus 900 favorite. The minus 900 favorite. Honestly, I look at odds like that, and I just wonder, like, who the fuck would even bet those odds? You know what I mean? Like, that's that's fucking crazy. Why? Like, there's there's almost no benefit to to. I mean, me personally, I would really never bet a fight unless I was betting on the underdog, just because. I mean, why why even do that? I'm, although I'm sure you know professional gamblers would would disagree um, because they have an addiction. But man, that's fucking crazy. I would just I would never do that. I mean, you know, Chikadze could could blow out his fucking knee, you know, stepping the wrong way, and and you know those those odds mean nothing. Um, but yeah, I'm obviously going Chikadze on this one. I'm a big fan of Chikadze. Uh, great great kickboxer. Um, he, he's 32. He's he's pretty tall for 145. He's he's six foot. Uh, even and uh, it's crazy, man. Because I, you know, if he wins here, he'll be five and zero in the UFC. But he's not going to be ranked because he hasn't fought anybody. And you know, also, uh, what is this? What did I say? Featherweight? Yeah, featherweight. Featherweight's also pretty darn deep as well. But it's crazy, man, because he's going to be on one hell of a streak. You know, he's just 
there's not a snowball's chance in hell he's going to get ranked. But, like, you you line him up, he'll knock him down, man. I mean, he beat Brandon Davis, Jamal Emers, Erwin Rivera, and Omar Morales, uh, you know, less than a month ago. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I'm just waiting for the step up in competition. Uh, and what's crazy is that Simon's, at least according to Tapology, which, you know, is typically correct, but it doesn't show that Simons is a late, late replacement guy. So they just scheduled Chikadze against a fucking bum for no reason, which is crazy. Like, I don't know, maybe they couldn't find him a fight, you know, a ranked fight or maybe not even a ranked fight, you know, just a UFC veteran. Um, but that's that's crazy, man. But yeah, I, I'm picking I'm picking uh, Chikadze to win this one, no doubt. And I, we'll say he knocks him out. There's a fucking huge skill gap here. All right, moving on here to the prelim headliner. It's a middleweight fight here between Trevin Giles and Bevan Lewis. Giles is 12 and 2, Lewis is 7 and 2. We look at the odds here. They'll have Lewis as the minus 120 favorite. They'll also have Giles as the mi- minus 110 favorite. So, I mean, for my money, that's we would call that a pick 'em, I guess. Um yeah, fuck, that's a really even fight. I I really like the the matchmaking here. That's, you know, two guys who are trying to find their footing in the UFC, won some, lost some. Uh, I like it. I like it. Trevin Giles, he's 28. He's coming off of a split decision win over James, the James Krause, Krause uh, back in February, which is complete fucking bullshit. We all know that fucking James Krause won that fight. So really, really, Trevin Giles is on a three-fight losing streak. I uh, got choked out by Mearshart and uh, Cummins. Um... Yeah, I'm still fucking pissed off about that. You know what? I want to pull up MMA decisions because maybe I'm exaggerating, but I could have swore that is one of the worst decisions I've ever fucking seen in my entire life. Um, yeah, I, I... That entire event was whack. Whack. That Andre Ewell fight... forgot who he, who he fought, but I know Andre Ewell was a part of a fucking weird fight. And, uh... Wow, okay, never mind. Seven media members have it for Giles, two have it for a draw, and two have it for Kraus. That's fucking egregious. That's terrible. That's fucking terrible. James Kraus clearly won that fight. But, okay, never mind. Well, that just goes uh, to tell you you can't trust the media, and I mean that in almost every facet of life. Never trust the media. Um, wow, that is fucking ridiculous. I'll tell you that much. Um... And then Bevan Lewis, again, like I was saying, you know, another guy who was, his, you know, really struggled to find footing in the UFC, but there's there's clear-cut talent there, and, um, you know, solid nickname, too, the Extraordinary Gentleman, uh, solid height, too, six foot three uh, for middleweight, and uh, this was a guy who got thrown to the fucking wolves off the Contender Series, knocks out Alton Cunningham, oh, how about you fight Uriah fucking Hall in your UFC debut, and he got knocked out in the third round, and... From what I remember, that was a relatively close fight. It wasn't like Hall, you know, blew him out. Um, it wasn't like Lewis was winning either. But um, you know, that's that's a tough one. And then he came back and, and lost a unanimous decision to uh, Darren Stewart. And then uh, he comes back here in uh, January and beats Daquan Townsend. So I just hate seeing guys get thrown to the wolves when they're not ready, man. And I don't think anybody was looking at a six and zero, a five and zero. No, no, no. Excuse me, six and zero. Nobody was looking at a six and zero, Bevan Lewis and going. Yeah, why don't we put him against, like, the 11th guy in the division, Uriah Hall, who's, you know, super talented, you know, obviously win some, lose some, up and down, but, like, 
man, that's that's awful. That's awful matchmaking. That's dangerous matchmaking. Um, I suppose I'm going Bevan Lewis on this one. I don't feel super great about it because I think it'll be a, a very close fight. Um, but I'll, I'll go Bevan Lewis, and you know, fuck it, I'll, I'll go Bevan Lewis by split decision. Bevan Lewis by split decision. All right, moving on here to the main card opener. It's a strawweight fight here between Claudia Gedalia and Xiaonan Yan. Uh, Gedalia is 18 and 4. Yan is 12 and 1. Uh, we'll look at the odds here. They're going to have Yan as the minus 165 favorite. Uh, and again, good matchmaking because we look at the North Star Sports UFC rankings for the 115 pound division. And uh, Gedalia is number seven, and Jan is uh, number eight. So, I mean, makes perfect sense to match these two up. And um, I'm very curious to see how this goes. Um, if Gedalia wins, I have no fucking idea what that does for her career. You know what I mean? Like, she's definitely on the back nine of, of her career, and it, you know, a win over Jan does not propel her into title contention. But I think for Jan, a win over Gedalia, someone who's been in the division basically since its inception, um, I think that kind of does propel her into the title picture. Obviously not the number one contender, not the number two or number three, you know what I mean? But that might push her right on the doorstep of the top five. And, and you know, if you're in the top five, anything can happen. So uh, I think the, I think it's, um, it's an asymmetrical proposition here because there's a lot more for Jan to gain than there is for Gedalia but I'm very, I'm very curious because honestly you know I was trying to pick this for uh, the main card showdown and I, I did pick Gedalia by decision and fuck I don't know man I, I really you know that's my pick but I don't know this this is this is tough because Gedalia doesn't really like if if Jan wins this fight she is legit She's legit. Gedalia doesn't lose fights to people who aren't legit. Like, you look at her record. Okay, she's got four losses in the UFC. Two of them are to uh, Ioana Janjacek, one to Jessica Andrade, and one to Nina Ansarov. So, you know, well, three of those losses are to champions, two of them to, to, to the same champ. But you know what I mean? Like, man, I guess we've kind of cooled off on Claudia Gedalia. You know what I mean? She's definitely not at her, at her, at her peak, but, like, Ah, that's a tough customer right there. And uh, Jan has definitely never faced anybody at the level of a Claudia Gedalia. Um, although her last two wins are, are are pretty good. I mean, a win over Angela Hill uh, that I, I know Angela Hill disagreed with, which, shocker, the losing fighter disagrees with the, the, the decision. But uh, that was a, that was a close fight. And, and, you know, a win over Karolina Kovalkiewicz, that's a pretty big name, all things considered, at 115. But she was on, like, a four-fight losing streak before that fight. Um, so, you know what I mean? She was definitely at the end of her career. Uh, probably never will see her again in the UFC if I had to, if I had to bet money. So I don't know, man, it's, it's, it's tough. It's a step up, but if she, if she, if she wins, I mean, she's legit. Um, I'm not going to bet on the unknown, although it's a realistic possibility. So, uh, I I am going to go with Claudia Gedalia by decision. I, under no scenario, do I envision this fight getting finished from either fighter. So, I think for sure it goes to a decision, and uh, you know we'll go to Gedalia on this one. All right, moving on here to one of my favorite matchups, if not, you know, fuck it, I'll say it, even more so than the main event. This is probably my favorite, most interesting matchup of the night. 
Uh, it's a middleweight fight here between the number 13 ranked 14-3 and Ian Heinish and the number 15 ranked 15-3 and Brendan Allen. Uh, two of my favorite middleweight fighters, and they're both ranked, but just barely, just barely. So, I mean, middleweight... It's easier to climb than it's been in in years past. So, I mean, we could see a real star be birthed here tonight with a a solid performance because, you know, honestly, you look at the guys ahead of, well, there's less guys ahead of Heinish because, you know, he's higher ranked. But, like, I don't know, man. Edmund Shabazian just lost. uh, And I'm I'm still high on him. He's still just a fucking kid. Um but, you know, that hype train has cooled off a little bit. Nobody gives a fuck about Omari Akhmedov. Chris Weidman is washed. Uriah Hall beat a fucking senior citizen. Kelvin Gastelum coming off of a loss. Uh, Darren Till coming off of fucking essentially five straight losses if you, if you you know, score those fights fairly. And a fucking knee injury that forced him out of his fight versus Hermanson. Yoel Romero, who's lost like seven of his last eight fights. So, like, you look at the seven guys above Heinish and uh, Brendan Allen... Ah, they're not really solidified there, man. They're not really solidified. It's a lot of talented fighters, a lot of big names, but a lot of guys who are coming off of losses or, you know, dog shit performances. So, uh, fuck, I mean, this is a very important matchup here, especially for Allen, the swing for Brendan Allen. If he wins this fight, fuck, he might be ranked 10. He might be fucking, be, you know, I'd, I'd have to, I'm not going to say he will be because I'd have to go through and, 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 you know, I don't just rank people willy-nilly. I'd have to, you know, really go through and crunch the numbers but you know just kind of spitballing here yeah he'd go up pretty fucking high um and this one's interesting i mean brendan allen i said a couple of fights ago i think this guy will be a future champ this guy i'm all in on brendan allen this guy is so well-rounded so well-rounded his ground game is fucking ridiculous you know he's got a he's he's got a uh uh good striking as well um and he's only 24 He's only 24, which is, you know, if you're 24 and in the UFC, that's fucking insane already. But if you're 24 and you're ranked, I mean, that's that's even crazier. And, you know, he did have a, a, a tiny bit of a tough fight versus uh, Kyle Dawkins. Um, but, I mean, man, he's just kind of mowed through competition. I mean, he choked out Kevin Holland. I mean, Kevin Holland is a fucking baller. Uh, knocked out Tom Breeze. I mean, I, I, I feel really good about Brendan Allen. And, uh, you know, this is a tough test. This is a tough test because Ian Heinish is built like a fucking shark. I mean, Ian Heinish is built like uh, if Sean Shirk kept taking steroids and just kind of grew into a middleweight. Like, he's just, he's the muscle the, the muscle shark, except at middleweight. Um, and, and he's had a couple of tough losses to Derek Brunson and Omari Akhmedov, but he knocked the fuck out of Gerald Mearshart in his last fight with a crazy, uh, fuck, what do you call it? I'm obviously not a fucking MMA guy, so I don't know the techniques exactly, but, you know, where he, like, dropped his shoulder, basically an overhand, I want to say right, but it was just, like, it wasn't an overhand right, it was an overhand right, and, you know, just fucking flatlined Gerald Mearshart. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see which uh, Ian Heinish we get here tonight. Do we get the Ian Heinish that gasses out a little bit, a little bit, and is, a you know, the, the, the difference I see in the two losses uh, and his wins is he was very hesitant in, in those in those fights versus Brunson and Akhmedov. And maybe Brunson, 
I think Akhmedov's a different story because I don't think too highly of Akhmedov, you know, for him being ranked number 11 in the division. But, like, maybe Brunson's a better fighter. That's a possibility. But he was just so hesitant in those fights where it's just, you know, I want to poke him with a stick. Just do something. Do something. So, I don't know, man. If he comes out, you know, guns a-blazing, it's definitely possible Brendan Allen gets knocked out, although I don't think he's ever been knocked out in his career. But Ian Heinish has has got some some pretty good boxing uh, and... uh, Fuck, he's got some pretty good uh, power as well, as we saw in the fight with GM3. So, you know, it could go either way. I, I, you know, I am a fan of both of these fighters, but I'm gonna go Brendan Allen. I'm, I'm just that might be my number one sleeper pick in the in the UFC. You know what I mean? That that uh, n- not a lot of people are talking about, but I think they will be talking about him when he beats uh, Ian Heinish here. All right, moving on here to the featured bout. It's a fight here uh, between Howney Barcelos and Khalid Taha in the bantamweight division. Taha is 13-2. Barcelos... <coughs> Excuse me. Barcelos is uh, 15-1. We'll take a look at uh, the odds here. They will have uh, Howney Barcelos as the minus 380 favorite. So that's that's pretty significant right there. Um, I'm going to go Hany Barcelos on this one. It's it's kind of interesting, man, because like... Jeez, it sounded like Joe Rogan there. Um, but it's kind of interesting because... Uh, it's... I don't know, it sounds like a stoner thing to say, but it's so weird. Taha's 23 and Barcelos is 35. So like, you basically have a fucking teenager fighting a grown man. Which is just... It's so, it's so weird, you know what I mean? Like, they're both legal, they're both over 18, but fucking crazy that you know a guy is you know like almost half of a life older than the other guy and they're fighting in there that's that's crazy um but Barcelos I mean this is a guy who's 4-0 in the UFC and uh you know not really getting a step up in competition but he's beaten some decent names like uh, Chris Gutierrez I mean that was the guy who uh I forget who he beat but that was a guy who was has crazy leg kicks uh, one of like seven people to stop a fight via a leg kick in the UFC or, or some bullshit like that. Uh, beat Saeed Nurmagomedov, who fucking starched homeboy uh, a few weeks ago back on Fight Island. Uh, and, and Khalid Taha, uh, I, I, I honestly don't have a whole lot to say about him or Barcelos. Uh, this is a guy who got knocked out by Boston Salmon. And uh, that's all I have to know. He got knocked out by Boston Salmon, so we are going with Howney Barcelos on this one. Uh, Howney Barcelos by knockout. All right, moving on here to the co-main event of the evening. It's a heavyweight fight here between the former UFC heavyweight champion Andre Arlovsky and Tanner Bozier. Arlovsky is 29-19, and 19, and Bozier is 19 6 and 1 uh we look at the odds here they'll have Bozier as the minus 335 favorite that's pretty goddamn significant um and i can't remember if we have him ranked uh we do not which is a shame uh if Bozier wins this fight he will definitely be ranked he will i guarantee we'll find a spot for him tanner Bozier's a really good fighter he's a fucking really good fighter man Uh, i'll tell you what like this guy does not move like a heavyweight. This guy, I, I don't want to get hyperbolic, and it's it sounds. I don't want to get hyperbolic, 
and it, and it doesn't sound like a big deal, but this guy legitimately moves like a light heavyweight. And I, I know that's only one division below, but like you know, when you come in at 232 pounds fighting like you come in at 205, I mean that's actually a big difference. Like this guy's very light and quick on his feet. Uh, I, I love this guy's striking, um, and. I think a lot more people would know about Tanner Bozier if he was undefeated in the UFC. So he comes into the UFC and beats Daniel Spitz. Then he he goes up against a very tough fight that I think this loss will age incredibly gracefully. Uh, he loses to Cyril Gaon. Now Cyril Gaon, we have him at number 14 in the heavyweight division. Cyril Gaon is a fucking specimen. A specimen. This guy... No, not an ounce of fat on this guy at heavyweight. I mean, Cyril Gaon is what all UFC heavyweights will look like in 2030. You know what I mean? Just ahead of the curve. I mean, you know, not just a fat guy fighting, not, you know, not just a fucking Roy Nelson, but like an uber athlete. You know what I mean? That's just fucking shredded and a very good fighter and very young in his career. I think Cyril Gaon will be a UFC champ. I, I, I really do. So, you know, some people might look at that and go, well, you lost to a 5-0 fighter. Who the fuck is Cyril Gaon? But if you know what's going on, you know that, damn, Cyril Gaon is legit. You know what I mean? And and just because Tanner Bozier lost to a guy who I think will be a future UFC champ, you know, that doesn't mean, you know, you throw out, you know, Bozier with the bathwater. And, you know, that's obviously reigned true because you look at his last two fights. A vicious, vicious knockout against Felipe Linz. And then he comes back less than a month later and has another vicious knockout over Rafael Pessoa. So, Bozier's very dangerous, he's got very good knockout power, but man, he's just so light on his feet, and you know, he's coming in, I love seeing heavyweights who come in anywhere from 230 to 240. You look at UFC heavyweight champions, basically all of them over the last, like, seven years have all been right around that weight. If you're a heavyweight, you do not want to fight at 265, you do not want to fight at 260, you don't want to fight at 255, that's too heavy that's not going to do you any good. Chances are if you come in at the limit, even if you're six foot five, you still got a lot of fat. Well, six foot five. Yeah, maybe. You know what I mean? But if you're a heavyweight and you're six foot two, 265, you're fat. You know what I mean? You're still an athlete. You're still a great fighter, but that's not helping you. So I love seeing fighters come in 25 pounds under the, under the weight limit because that's just the way to be if you want to have success at the highest level in the heavyweight division. Um, so I, I think he knocks out Arlovsky in round number one. That's certainly my pick for the main card showdown. And, uh, you know, I mean, props to Arlovsky, you know what I mean? I don't want it to be lost in the discussion that, you know, this guy's 41 years old and still fighting in the UFC despite, you know, starting fighting when he was, you know, fucking... This guy was fighting bef- professionally before 9-11. He was fighting professionally before the fucking turn of the millennium. He, he had his first fight in fucking April of 1999, and the the thing that um, the thing that you really got to appreciate about Arlovsky is this guy's career has been over no less than four times. But this motherfucker just he keeps taking fights, and yeah, he loses some, but you never you never can count him out. Now I think he will get starched because he has been starched plenty of times in his UFC career, certainly recently, but. I, I'm predicting him to lose, but he might still be in the UFC for three more years. I mean, this guy never gives up, and, uh, you know, I'm sure his brain is not going to appreciate that, but, uh, you know, the the human spirit can appreciate that. But, like, 
Okay, becomes UFC champion, uh, loses twice to Tim Sylvia. All right, that sucks. Then he comes back, rattles off five more wins, uh, and, uh, you know, then he then he loses, gets knocked out in that crazy fashion when he was... I don't even know what he was doing. He was jumping in midair and got knocked out by Fedor. I don't even know what the technique was. But gets knocked out by Fedor. Brett fucking Rogers loses to Antonio Silva, loses to Sergey Karatanov. Okay, you're 15-9. and nine. Your career's over. Then he goes to Pro Elite and beats Ray Lopez and the fucking legend, Travis Fulton. Has a no contest versus Tim Sylvia in 1FC. Takes a fight in World Series of Fighting and Fight Nights Global. Goes back to World Series of Fighting. Goes back to Fight Night Global. And then comes back at UFC 174 uh, to win a split decision over the GOAT of CTE, uh, Brendan Schaub. So this is a guy who comes back to the UFC like seven years after after his first stint. <clears throat> Career's over. Nope. Comes back, rattles off some wins, you know, beats Frank Mir. Uh, I think he fought for the title, or maybe this was a number one contender fight. Uh, gets knocked out by uh, Stipe Miocic, or as uh, Coco would say, Stiopic. Gets knocked out by Overeem, knocked out by Barnett, knocked out by Nganu in fucking insane fashion. Loses a, spit, a split decision to Marcin Tabura. Okay, five fight losing streak, you've been fucking murdered in four of them. Okay, your career's over. Nope. Wins, fights over Albini and Struve. Oh, is he back? Nope. Loses to Tuivasa and Shamil Abdurakimov, Shamil Abdurakimov, Walt Harris, and Augusto Sakai. A win over Rothwell, then gets brutally knocked out and sent to hell by Rosenstrike. Then beats Felipe Linz. It's like, this, this guy's career is a roller coaster. I'm fucking perplexed by it. It's ridiculous. I mean, you, you never can count Andre Arlovsky out. He could get knocked out seven fights in a row, and he'll just come back and rebound, win three fights, and you know what I mean? It's it's fucking it's crazy, man. It it really is. But uh, I I do predict him getting knocked the fuck out by Tanner Bozier. But you know what I mean? You can't you can't keep a bellow Russian down. That's I think that's how the old saying goes. All right, moving on here to the main event of the evening. It's a light heavyweight fight here between the number one contender Thiago Santos. And the number three contender, Glover Teixeira. Teixeira coming in with a record of 31-7. and uh, Tiago Santos with a record of 21-7. and We look at the odds, Shark odds for this one. They'll have uh, Tiago Santos as the minus 240 favorite. And fuck me, this is a great fight. A great fight. And it's a shame that they can't call it a number one contender fight because uh, Blahovic is fighting uh, Izzy next but you know it doesn't matter if Jan wins or Izzy wins I'll be excited to see the winner of that fight take on the winner of this fight I mean it's almost like a four-man tournament at this point and it is fucking crazy to think it's already crazy enough to think that Jan Blahovich is the UFC light heavyweight champ in a universe where John Jones is a still alive b still fighting and c not in jail um and he's the light heavyweight champ but it's crazy to think Adesanya could beat Jan Blahovic, and Glover Teixeira could beat Thiago Santos, and we might have a fucking matchup between the last cringe bender and like a 42-year-old Glover Teixeira. I mean, that is ridiculous. I think that's the least likely outcome, 
uh, because obviously, uh, no surprise here, I'm going with Thiago Santos as the winner of this one. But I'd love to see Santos versus uh, the cringe bender. I think that would be very interesting. I mean, you know, it's pretty hard to knock out Thiago Santos. And, you know, he keeps coming and keeps coming, and he's got crazy power. And, you know, I think uh, maybe like uh, a week, week and a half ago, I went back and watched his performance versus John Jones crazy performance. I mean, I, I watched the fight live when it happened, but, you know, I, I hadn't gone back and watched it for maybe over a year, um, you know, because that fight was like 540 days ago or whatever, the, you know, the, the crazy layoff for Santos was following the, the injuries. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, he definitely lost that fight. I mean, John Jones won that fight, but it was an insane performance from Thiago Santos. And, uh, you know, that's that's really the, the question here. So uh, it's it's is Tiago Santos healthy? And I'd like to think he is. Uh, I hope he is. And, man, but I just don't know, man. I, I, I guess I just don't know. Because, dude, his his list of injuries were so extensive. That, like, it was like a torn ACL, a torn PCL, a torn MCL. Like, he might have, like, shattered his kneecap. And then I think he even, like, had, like, uh, like a compound fracture in one of his legs or something. Uh, or like a hairline f- fracture that you know got a little bit worse. So like, dude, his legs were fucked, man. They were fucked. So I don't know, man. I mean, it has been almost two years, you know what I mean, uh, since he's been in the octagon. So I, I just hope he's healthy, man. And uh, you know, because I was thinking like, well, Clover's an old man, so maybe that's the talking point. You know, injury. You know, is is Santos healthy versus you know, you know, can Glover still do it at forty one? But, you know, then I was thinking, you know, Tiago Santos is not a spring chicken either. This guy's 36. So, I mean, I do think that is a pretty big gap uh, in age, you know, 41 and 36, especially when you're talking about fighting, you know what I mean? Because we've seen plenty of fighters still fight at 36, have not seen a lot of fighters have success at 41. But, you know, fuck me, man. Glover Teixeira might be the one to do it. I mean, you know, the, the career resurgence that, that he's had is, is, you know, kind of remarkable. And, you know, this is definitely a step up in competition for uh, Glover. You know, uh, chokes out Carl Roberson and Kutalaba, wins a split, split decision over uh, Nikita Krilov, and then has the crazy performance over Anthony Smith. But I think we're starting to realize, I don't really know how good Anthony Smith was to begin with. So, you know what I mean? And the rest of those guys, I mean, Krilov is ranked, but, you know, outside of the top 10, and, and Kutalaba and Roberson are not ranked, so... I mean, you're going up against the number one contender, the guy who just, well, <laughs> just fought John Jones in quotes. Um, so I don't, I don't know, man. I, I'm still going with Santos. I mean, the, the injuries do concern me, especially, you know, I, I think a realistic scenario that I'd hate to even put into the ether, but I think it's it's worth mentioning, you know, Tiago Santos just healthy enough to, you know, smash Glover Teixeira, but, you know, suffers a setback and, and gets injured in this one and then can't fight the winner of Jan and uh, and uh, Adesanya. So, I don't know, man. But I, I just think, I just think, you know, I think Tiago Santos is a black belt in BJJ. He's certainly not known for, you know, being a ground fighter in the UFC. Glover's pretty darn good on the ground. So I think, you know, I'd, I'd hate to reduce it down to this dichotomy, but, you know, I think it really is, you know, can uh, Tiago keep this as a kickboxing fight? Or can Glover take the fight to the ground? Uh, you know, because if it goes to the ground, I mean, we saw, and, and especially with the injury concerns with, with Thiago Santos, 
I mean, he might get smashed if he goes to the ground. I mean, Glover's a crafty veteran, and I think that going to the ground would favor him. But, you know, if this fight stays standing, I mean, we've seen Glover get knocked out plenty of times in the UFC. I mean, Rumble Johnson, uh, Gustafson. Okay, we've seen him get knocked out twice, but, you know, at the highest level. But, you know, Tiago's got fucking insane power, and, you know, hopefully he's fully healthy because he does have some nice uh, spinning heel kicks or spinning wheel kicks or whatever the proper technical term is for all you fucking nerds um you know what i mean but you know, he, he's a he's a really really good striker so i i just don't see glover winning this fight if it stays standing although he does have an interesting kind of looping style that was a little bit too much for uh uh anthony smith to deal with uh you know has a lot of looping hooks um so you know, I, I don't know. I, I feel pretty good about Thiago Santos winning this fight. But again, wouldn't wouldn't shock me if Glover won the fight. But uh, you know what I mean? The, the striking percentages certainly favor uh, Thiago Santos, 51% to Teixeira's 44%. And, you know, he lands almost two strikes more per minute. Um, and, and, you know, the takedown percentage for, for both of these guys are, are both uh, 40%. Again, I, I, I really don't see Thiago Santos um you know, trying to trying to take this fight to the ground, and you know he doesn't have the greatest takedown percentage in the world, sixty seven percent. But conversely, you look at Glover Teixeira. I mean, this is this is crazy, and this just speaks to how quick Thiago Santos gets out of fights. I mean, Thiago Santos only absorbs two point one six strikes. I'm assuming that's per minute, and uh, Glover Teixeira three point nine one. So Glover gets hit almost twice as often as Thiago Santos so his striking defense is definitely not on the level of Thiago but certainly the offense isn't either so uh man I I, I don't know uh, but I you know I, I I don't feel super confident about it but like I said I'm gonna go Thiago Santos and I think for the main card showdown I picked by round three TKO I I, I don't necessarily see him just you know blitzing Glover and you know finishing him 15 seconds into the fight like he did uh with uh Rumble or like Rumble Johnson did to Glover um but yeah, I, I, uh, I'll go Santos. Uh, so with that, we've wrapped up, uh, or excuse me, previewed uh, UFC Fight Night, uh, Santos versus Teixeira. Um, again, that'll take place in just a matter of hours. Um, we're going to have the main card showdown again, like I said at the beginning of the show. Uh, me versus Drew for the belt, Bree making her UFC, or Bree making her NSS debut against Jordan, uh, who's looking for his first win. Um, no Reagan Hooverman, no captain, uh, although they'll probably be in the tournament for uh, November. Um, but again, you can follow that uh, at our Twitter at NorthstarMIN. You can follow the mailman at Owen the Mailman, me at uh, Owen Ely MN. You can check out our website at NorthstarSports.media. We'll have updated rankings uh, shortly following uh, the conclusion of, uh, of this fight card. Uh, just check it out. We got the podcast there. I mean, check us out on any podcast platform. I mean, that's the the beauty of you know, uh, putting out your 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 RSS feed to a million different places. I, I found my podcast on platforms I definitely didn't put them on. I mean, you you could find us anywhere. I mean, I would almost challenge you to find a podcast platform that we're not on. I mean, we're everywhere, man. So you know, just look up North Star Sports and you know, give us a chance. Check us out. It's all good stuff. So with that, we'll wrap it up. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.